He looks a bit like a muskrat, though, even with the beard. Yeah, he could do it. He could do a haircut and a different type of facial hair, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it would be. Maybe like I can see full mustache. I can see full yeah. thick mustache. Yeah, I was kind of th- leaning leaning that way too. But I think I think he'd be better with short hair. I don't I don't think that long hair is yeah, doing no, him any favors. I, I don't think the long hair is doing him any favors either. But I'm talking like high and tight fade, full mustache. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it working. The only thing, if he did that now, you'd know that he was having a meltdown because he's just grasping at straws and how to get into a new rhythm. Well, let's just get right into this. It is Tuesday. It is September the 1st. It is the... Oh, my God. What? September. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying, like, oh, my God, like, we had, like, a technical difficulty or something like that. <laughs> you were just I'm so, so... I'm sorry. No, so, I just... So fed just, up. Just reacting to the, to, the, to the year going by. September the 1st. Rent is due, everybody. It is the first day of the rest of our lives. It is my favorite month. A beautiful crispness is in the air and a feeling of, of hope. Jacob, now your mm-hmm. girlfriend has gone away. Last yeah. night was your first night by yourself and I'm going to guess a while. Yeah, it, it had been a while. What, 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 did you, what did you get up to? How did you celebrate that? It was it was a great disappointment. I can tell you that much right now, David. I didn't take advantage of it as much as I could. Um, you know, my my war zone, my Call of Duty squad. They were they weren't in action last night, so like that would have been a good thing. Even though I'll do that when Brittany's home, there's always just a bit of a sense of guilt or you know that kind of a thing. So they weren't around. Um, I ate lunch too late. I had a big pasta lunch too late, so dinner, like I didn't really do anything for dinner. It got to like 8 o'clock, and I'm like, I guess I'm kind of hungry. I've got a massive, massive uh, container of coleslaw, vinegar coleslaw, uh, zesty vinegar coleslaw. It's way too large, so I ate some of that. I had a stuff, I had a beef patty, hot, spicy beef patty, and then I ate most of a bag of chips. It, the coleslaw feels like something that Brittany would have left for you just so that you don't die because she's mm-hmm. worried that maybe you wouldn't cook for yourself. And she's like, just whatever happens, just eat the coleslaw. You can live off this coleslaw for a week until I get back. I actually got the coleslaw. And I'm telling you, it's like a gallon because <laughs> they, have the, they have the like mini size. Like I want to say like, you know, like a, a coffee, a large coffee mug sized of coleslaw. Um, I can't remember the brand now, whatever. And then that's two ninety seven. Then I saw this one. I'm telling you, it's like it's like a large ice cream container, like like that big gallon size one. And it was four dollars. So it's like buck twenty three to like get five times the amount of coleslaw. I'm gonna get it. And does it go bad? I don't think so. I don't think it goes bad, but I think you get tired of that real quick. Oh yeah. I think the first bowl you're like, fuck yeah, great purchase. Love this coleslaw. Second bowl, it's like, okay. And then you end up throwing out, I'm gonna say a pound of it. Yeah, well that could happen for sure. But right now it's just kind of like a nice thing to grab a fork full every once in a while, you know? Like I'm not I'm not pouring myself a bowl of it necessarily. It's like a little side, a little bite. I'm a little hungry. 
Tip into the fridge. Something like that prevents me from actually eating real food, though, because I would just graze on it all day long, and then I'd be like, I don't need to eat anything else. That's what happened last night. Yeah. Didn't, you, make, didn't make the dinner. Then you feel like you deserve chips. You feel like you deserve a dessert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Big trade deadline yesterday, Jacob. Yeah, buddy. Blue Jays were one of the big players in the trade deadline. Not a lot of uh, big big teams. Dodgers, nothing. Yankees, nothing. Mm-hmm. What is your overall thought on the Blue Jays trade deadline? Feels kind of like a magic trick. You know, it feels like we kind of we've created this big kind of distraction. You know, we've brought in some names people might recognize. We did a bunch of things. It, it, it to me, it's it's a great move in kind of what we're talking about yesterday in sort of getting people back on board with Blue Jays baseball. The fact that we're going to the playoffs, we're making look, we're making additions, we're bringing guys in, we're filling holes, and there's 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 really no risk with any of the moves that we made. So I, I think Ooh. I think it was a great day. Ooh, I don't, there's no risk in ac- acquisition, but there's some major risk in perhaps on-field results that could affect playoff positioning. Uh, just to say it before we get into this a little further, Blue Jays acquired Jonathan VR from the Miami Marlins. They require, mm-hmm. acquired Ross Stripling from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Robbie Ray from the Arizona Diamondbacks. And of course, they had already gotten... Uh, Taiwan Walker from the Seattle Mariners. Now, you say there's little risk. I say there's big risk in a guy like Robbie Ray. And even a little bit in Ross Stripling, but everything I've heard from Dodgers fans, they love Ross Stripling. And Ross Stripling was good, not like just last year, he was good. He's having a rough start to his year. He is leading the league in dingers. He's led up 12 dingers already this year. Um, Okay. But Robbie Ray, let's talk about Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray strikes people out, no doubt. Big time. High strikeouts. Last year struck out 235 dudes in 174 innings. This year, however, he's got a 7 plus 7 ERA. He's got a 2 whip. He's got leading the majors with 27 earned runs over 31 innings pitched and 31 walks in 31 innings pitch. Now, you say there's no risk to these acquisitions. That sounds like a couple losses right there. Maybe. Depends on what, what position we're putting them into. And really, it really depends on our coaching staff and if they had an idea of how they can help him before he comes onto the team. And look, is, do we think Robbie Ray is worse than Jacob Waggis back? Yeah, I do. <laughs> no. I, I, I actually do. And to say that the pitching to the coaching staff can help a guy, they've got four weeks to turn a guy around who has not who's been horrendous this year. So let's say they turn him around and they can get him to a five and a half ERA and a and a, and a one point seven WHIP. That's still trash. They would have to do some real magic. They would have to have a real idea of what to do. Now I, I'm you can find a dude like this anywhere, and let's say they. Don't give up much for him, which they didn't. But I don't know. That that to me was a bit curious, the Robbie Ray thing. Well, he kept the, the walk thing comes, and it sounds like a lot of the struggles come from him coming into this season, deciding he was going to 
adjust, redesign his pitch mechanics in a similar way that other pitchers who have had a great amount of success with it, like Shane Bieber, Lucas Giolito, trying to shorten the arm action, make it a quicker arm action that delivers the ball. So that didn't go well, and he hasn't been able to throw strikes with it. Apparently, he's starting to, he was starting to go back to it. I don't know. That just seems to me like maybe it's like really ingrained from him from the offseason. But I don't know. A day with a, a, a day with Pete Walker and looking at the mechanics, looking at some video, having a, having a nice conversation. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they can fix it. Maybe they can do fix it a little bit. And he his walk percentage goes down to fifteen percent from twenty percent. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, even when uh, he was good, he walked a lot of guys. So it's not even when he was good, he had a he had a walk a walk rate of four per nine. Right. Um and the change of scenery, absolutely. You would have to imagine that's a real thing. You're coming to an exciting young team with playoff hopes and a team that believes in you, and you probably have been struggling a lot this year. It's nice to get out of that, remove yourself from that, and come in to Toronto and be given and be given a shot. And it I think we'll be able to figure it out before the playoffs though. And I don't think we're going to I don't think we're going to Robbie Ray our way out of the playoffs. We don't have a lot of low key situations to put him in at this point. I don't imagine he's going to go into the bullpen. I imagine he's going to get a start and to see what he can do with a start. Now we got a lot of Yankees coming up. All right, yeah, 10. 10 Yankees games. So I'm just saying, like, who are we? Who are we worried about? The the Orleans, the <laughs> the Orleans, the <laughs> Orioles. No, I'm not worried about the Orioles at all. But you know, any any start where you get shelled is a loss. You know, or potentially a loss. You you go in not, for not one with this, inning. not these big boys, not this offense. Now we don't have to we don't have to play uh, panic every day. Hopefully, well, we don't have to play Drury every day. Not that he's been playing every day. You said yesterday on the podcast, I think it was yesterday, it was in the last couple podcasts we've done, that you wanted a better Brandon Drury. Well, seems like that's exactly what you got with Jonathan VR. He's a better Brandon Drury. He's got uh, defensive versatility. He can fill the hole for Bichette. He can make it so that we don't see Travis Shaw at third all too often. Maybe. Um, yeah, and he's he's Maybe. a better bat than Brandon Jury, a thousand percent. Yes, yeah, he's interesting. You know, all of the talk is about him kind of leading the National League in steals, um, but it's kind of curious because his sprint speed is league average, and he also leads the National League in caught stealing. <laughs> so, like, he's got this like super reckless profile, which is apparently one of the reasons they shipped him out of Miami. Um, that he didn't fit in with the culture. Well, but if, uh, if you want reckless base running, <laughs> hey, welcome. Welcome Come on to in, buddy. your family. You're going to feel like at home with these young Blue Jays just digging around the dirt and diving in the mud. Have you met Luis Rivera? He'll send you every time, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go? You got the green light. You can go anytime. Yeah. Rowdy Telez gets the green light. Welcome to Salem Field. Yes. So... Baseball savant, savant compares similar batters to him to be 2019 Billy McKinney and 2019 Freddie Galvis, which is, which is sort of 
worrisome when you first when you see the first name is Billy McKinney, but then you're like, okay, Freddie Galvis, okay. Uh, we saw obviously saw the hot side of 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 Freddie Galvis in Toronto, which isn't necessarily what he's always been, but VR is definitely a worse shortstop than Galvis. Well, VR's not even really that great a fielder. He's very league average no. fielder. He's just got versatility. Like Brandon yes. Jury's a better fielder than VR, but yes. it's still an upgrade. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Maybe again, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Like because even if he does end up not hitting. It can't be that much worse than Panic or Drury. It's another guy. He's, you know, it's maybe safer than Espinal right now. And if things work out for him, then then and he hits, then we can look at maybe a platoon at least at third base so we don't have to see Travis Shaw every single day. Do you think we'll be doing a eulogy for Brandon Drury this season? Um, well, he's got options, doesn't he? Does Didn't he? he just get optioned? I think he's 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 been... Sent to the alternate site. Oh, okay. Well, then the answer should have just been simply no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm, but I'm not certain of that. It's interesting. I feel like there's like two, like two philosophies at play, and maybe it's like part of the same philosophy, but like bringing in someone like VR and Vogelback on the offense, and then bringing in someone like Robbie Ray and Taiwan Walker. Like Taiwan Walker, I think we kind of gloss over here uh because it didn't happen on deadline day and we didn't really like get into it but you see in his start like it just feels like it feels like there's something safe about him you know knowing that he's gone seven innings for two of his three starts or two of his five starts and two also went for six innings but he's 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 an interesting guy because he also i i started thinking of him like oh he's he's the floor guy and Robbie Ray's the ceiling guy. If we can get that, like, tap into the incredible uh, strikeouts and the electric stuff of Robbie Ray, that could really be something. But it feels kind of safe with Taiwan Walker. But Taiwan Walker was also this, like, kind of, like, bust, high prospect, like, first-round guy who in the last three seasons, like, since 2017, the 2018, 2019, and now 2020 season, he's only made 10 starts. So it's like, whoa, I didn't know that about him. Like he's, he's dealt with all of these injuries, but he's actually like potentially a super high ceiling guy as well. But the reason I brought that up is because it felt like Vogelback is like swing for the fences, like maybe we'll get something out of him in the same way as Robbie Ray. And then VR kind of, yeah. They were saying on the broadcast yesterday that Vogelback has worked with Guillermo before. He's also worked with the hitting whisperer, Dante Bichette. And Dante yeah. Bichette said that, uh, Vogelback had become victim to launch angle and that at his core, he is a Tony Gwynn-like hitter. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that on the broadcast yesterday, but Vogelback and Tony Gwynn. Uh, so that's definitely falls into potentially a high ceiling. It's uh, extremely unlikely that he will even get anywhere near that. But it's if if you know you talk to Dante Bichette and you believe in the results that he's already getting with some of these other players, I trust him you, with my life. Yeah, and then you get Vogel back for you know nothing and <laughs> nothing, and even all if, of them for nothing. He could probably quickly add a hundred points to Vogelback's average, which still would not make him a two hundred hitter. No, um, but he walks and he and he hits dingers. You know, he's yeah. like 
He's like that kid. Remember that? I don't know if you saw that Bauer video of the kid from the Little League, <laughs> the Little League classic. He's like, my name is Dun Dun Dun, and I hit dingers. Yeah, he's exactly <laughs> like that. Which was surprising was that, he, that he walked so much. I can't remember what his name is, but that was something that was like trending. And I remember even yeah. all MLB players were like meeting yeah. that kid and like yeah, it was awesome. stuff for him. Yeah, it was awesome. In any case, it's, it's just I, I, the reason I brought that up is just like this philosophy of like, Let's have the safe move, but let's also throw in this like swing for the fences that doesn't hurt us at all. And you know, who knows? We we I I I've just kind of trust this front office now uh, more so than ever. You know, like I think there's also a lot of things that are known in the big leagues that the fans and media have no not not privy to at all where maybe it's known that Robbie Ray doesn't like being in Arizona. Maybe he's in a situation that's difficult. Maybe he has a relationship with somebody on the Blue Jays or in the Blue Jays organization. And so they understand an aspect of him that we only look at his numbers and we're like, oh, this looks like it could be a disaster. But there's other information out there that might make him a more enticing player. Not that his strikeouts aren't enticing. They absolutely are. But I would imagine you strike out a bunch of people even just when you're that wild because the hitter's like, oh, fuck, I wasn't expecting that to come anywhere near the plate. Well, we'll see. We got to see where, how, they, how they plan to use these guys. We have no idea right now. I don't imagine Robbie Ray hits the bullpen, though. But on that note, it is time to get into the Blue Jays. It is time to get into their game yesterday afternoon against the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. With our segment that we call The Game Diary. Okay, it is a Monday day game. There is a Christmas in the air. It's the last day of August before we hit September, my favorite month. Also, the last month before the common cold hits and everyone thinks they're a day from death and our society utterly collapses. But we got a chance at a sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. Trade deadlines at 4 p.m. and I'm hoping for a big fish, not Lance Lynn, a.k.a. the Yeti. I, I don't know if that's fair. Maybe I should say Sasquatch or Bigfoot, actual monster, legit blob. You choose. Right before the game, we find out we get Robbie Ray, which feels like finding a steel on a wicked old Ferrari that's super fast, but as soon as you step on the gas, it drives off a cliff. We got Chase Anderson on the mound up against Keegan Aiken, making his first ever start and always seems to be smirking. And whether it's intentional or not, it just makes me want to see him suffer. And he also has this short arm piggy delivery. And I don't mean that in a rude way. In the first, Anderson gives up a double to Santander and a single to Iglesias, who is going to be at us all damn day long. It's one nothing Orioles. Here's a quick summary of how Chase Anderson gets his first six outs. Strikeout, 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 strikeout. Six punchouts after two. Next up, making his Blue Jays debut is Daniel Vogelback, whose hands and wrists are too big to even do up his batting gloves. It looks like he put them on and then got stuck halfway turning into the Hulk. It's a big moment for him, and I'm trying to imagine what's going through his mind. And by the look on its face, it's... He strikes out looking. In the third, it's announced that we get Jonathan VR from the Miami Marlins. I swear to God, Jonathan, I swear to God, if you give any of these players COVID, just give it to Travis Shaw. In the third, we get a Jansen walk, and then a panic attack cracks a double. 
We got two runners in scoring position for Biggio, who hits a routine ground ball to Hanser Alberto, who has a stroke mid-throw and whips it into the dugout, and both runners score. It's 2-1 Jays. They take out Anderson after five when he was cruising along at only 84 pitches and bring in Wilmer Font. Computers make baseball fun. Fun. Font gets hurt by Alberto and Santander. Hit, hit, and it's 2-2. This is where the game turns into the slog. Like a middle part of a six-hour car drive alone when your thoughts are psychotic and you're farting so frequently that when you stop, the silence is eerie. I start wondering about Chase Anderson and Chance Sisko meeting each other. Oh, hey, I'm Chase. I throw things. I'm Chance. I hit things. Let's be friends and go have sex with anything. <clears throat> that wasn't funny last night, and it's not funny today. My eye catches the screen and sees Guriel steal third base and does a David Blaine-like sleight of hand slide, and he tricks Rio Ruiz, who pleads for a review. Sadly for Ruiz, it's not a movie he should want anyone to see. Guriel is safe, but he doesn't score. Still at 2-2 in the ninth, Derek Fisher tries to steal second base, and when he is thrown out, he almost looks scared to go into the dugout. Now we're going to extra innings again, surprise, surprise, and from here on out, almost every play is reviewed. In the 10th, Baltimore threatens, but a nice double play ending in Teoscar Hernandez throwing Mason Williams out at home. Yeah, baby! Bottom of 10, nothing. Top of 11, we got Anthony Bass on the mound, and it's an Iglesias double, scores Santander, and a Holiday single scores him. 4-2, kiss my Bass Orioles. Bottom of 11, do we have yet another comeback in us? Oh, my Lord, is again. Guriel drives in the runner from second with a single. 4-3, and it is time to get rowdy. Let's go. He drills the ball to the fence in right field. Guriel rushes around the bases. Looks like he's stopping at third, but tries to go home on the missed cutoff throw to the plate. Oh, oh, he's out by a lot. Like the length of Vogelback's dick, which I am going to lowball at seven feet. Brutal. Is this the game diary or the game diarrhea? Jays lose 4-3 in yet another extra inning affair. Jacob, my question for you to start things off here. 22 of the Blue Jays' 33 games have been decided by two runs or less. Yeah. What does that say to you about this team? Got good pitching. You know, we got good pitching, and uh, they keep us in the games for the most part, and maybe uh, we don't always line up our good hitting with our good pitching. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, we, we're competitive, you know. We, we, don't, we don't get run off the field. We, we, we play to whatever we need to, it feels like. We, we can't just, like, turn it on, put it in extra gears from the beginning and just start riding. It's like we feel out the game. You know, is this kid make? Do we need to rock this kid making his debut, or should we just kind of feel it out, see what happens with the pitching? I don't, I don't know. It's kind of strange. In a way, like you could look at it and say, well, they should not be so close against a team like the Baltimore Orioles. And maybe that's true, but a win is a win, and you win how you win. What I think is with all of these close games, they're learning how to play under stress. They're learning how to make 
decisions in heightened moments in close games. They've had so many extra inning games, so many games come down to the wire. They've learned how to come back from major deficits. They've walked off many times. So for me, it's great playoff training. Are you suggesting that they're doing that on purpose? No, no. I'm just saying by chance, it's great okay. playoff training that <laughs> right. they, they by chance, by the natural course of the way that this season has gone, they are setting themselves up for playing under tension in bigger moments in the playoffs because there's a lot of players on this team have never been to the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. I mean... Maybe that would be. Maybe it'll be that case in the playoffs, but not necessarily. You know, we're going to play a lot better teams in the playoffs, and maybe it won't be these close games. Sure, but if you get shelled, the whole time, if you get shelled, you get shelled. I mean, there's nothing. Nobody needs practice in what it feels like to lose by eight. The uh, Blue Jays called up. I know you love this dude. You've you've made some comments about this dude, Alejandro Kirk, Blue Jays' top pitching prospect. I don't know hit, if anybody's catching prospect. Sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> Blue Jays top catching prospect. Uh, he's never played above single A, but even in single A, nine forty seven OPS. Google image search Alejandro Kirk and just take a nice look at how endearing that this guy is. For some reason, it's more endearing to to be a little stout when you're a catcher than it is when you're a third baseman or a first baseman. I think. Yeah. This guy, uh, he, he was like the reason that I enjoyed spring training baseball. Every time he came in, I felt like he just was mashing the ball. I was like, holy crap, this guy hasn't played in the minor leagues, and he's just he's killing it here at spring training against major league pitchers. So it, they didn't really call him up. He's at the, alter, he's at uh, the taxi that's, squad. That's, yeah, that's what I said, didn't I? In any case, I hope, well, I don't know. Are we going to see him? What's going to happen? There's, well, there's intrigue at the catcher position. How it's, I, he couldn't be worse. Offensively, he couldn't be worse. He's mm -hmm. not going to be worse mm -hmm. than Reese McGuire. I don't, I don't think it's fair to, to come after Reese McGuire's uh, offense. Well, I'm not season. coming after it. It is what it is. It's bad. But why do you think it's unfair? Because he never plays. He, he plays like twice a week. And, and I don't know. I just don't think but, he's... But it still he, is what it is. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying he's a shitty person because his offense is bad, but his offense is still bad, and Alejandro Kirk's not going to be worse than that. Yeah. It might be just as bad, but it's not going to be worse. I don't really understand what happened. I thought there was going to be more playing time for Reese McGuire, that they were going to split it more, and Danny Jansen catches 70% of the time. I feel like he catches five games a week. But... I don't know. I, I was kind of seeing there was uh, we didn't we didn't do the show on Thursday, but when I had watched the game Wednesday and then kind of the games after that going into the weekend, I thought there was something happening with Danny Jansen, some sort of uh, awakening in him. Maybe it was because of all of the talk of of whether or not we needed to do an upgrade at the catcher position, uh, preventing runs um, going into the trade deadline and. And so, you know, he had that game. He caught three runners stealing. And it was the first time he had caught a runner the whole season, I believe. And he, not only did he catch a runner stealing, but I don't know if he called it or if it came from the bench, 
but they called a a, a throwout. Uh, what's that called? Pitch out. They called a pitch out, sensing that someone was going to steal. And like, how often do you see a pitch out? And it worked, and they nailed the dude. And it was the same time he was starting to put together some some good at bats. He was hitting the ball, and I thought, okay, maybe maybe something's happening here. And he's realized he can't just he can't just like focus on calling the game, which he's already seemingly struggling to do anyway with these pitchers. And he needs to he needs to become the more complete player. Um, but I don't yeah. know. Since since then, I I don't know if that's if that's happening or not. I mean, Danny Jansen hit in the minor leagues, and I had a lot of hope that this year he was going to make a little turn in that regard because it's a lot for a rookie catcher to come up, deal with a whole new pitching staff, learn how they throw, learn how to call the game, learn how the big leagues work. And so you gave him sort of the grace year last year. But, uh, you know, maybe you give him another grace year because of pandemic and lots of different changes and whatever thing you can think of, but he, he's not looking good at the plate. Um, no. And, and that is, uh, if it's not fair to say it about Reese McGuire, it's fair to say it about Danny Jansen because he's been given a lot of playing time. Yeah, absolutely. He hasn't, his, his body language hasn't seemed confident. And that was a game where I thought, whoa, I feel like I, there's like this magnetic presence to him. I saw him, he was going out on the mound telling Anthony Bass what was happening. The whole game, he just like... He, he 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 was magnetic and i don't know that's what that's what i want to see some something in his confidence something that just i'm going to be the man and i'm going to call the game i'm going to be a great defender and i'm going to hit the ball because i'm a big strong dude and i know what i'm doing no i was going to say it's no small ask to to deal with the amount of pitchers that you have on your roster in 2020 and the amount of changes that are happening in the Blue Jays pitching with injuries and, and whatnot and people getting shuffled around. So, yep. I mean, you look around the league, there's not a lot of really great offensive catchers. So it's not like you need uh, Danny Jansen to be batting 300 with an 850 OPS or something like that. But a little more production is definitely needed from that spot because it's been a dead fish for the entire season. Yeah, he is getting walks though, and there was a stat, I can't remember when it was, it was maybe last week or something, uh, came up and talked about how his expected batting average is like 80 points below what his actual, or his expected batting average is like 80 points higher than what his actual one is. Like all of his stats, like he's having like terrible luck with the, with the balls in play and that he should have, his offensive numbers should look a lot better than they are. Um, which is kind of an interesting thing. I, I don't know how all of that stuff really works. I'm sure there's a lot of math and trigonometry and all that kind of shit that figures that out. But the numbers are what they are, and he is struggling. So it's going to be real curious to see. Again, we're talking about Alejandro Kirk, whether or not he's going to come up and start smacking that ball. And so if you were the organization, what would you do? Would you bring him up? Yeah, well, I think so. Why not? I agree. I, I I don't know what the philosophy is on him or what his outlooks really are. All, all I know is what I've seen from him was just that he smacks the ball hard, hits dingers, and hits hits for power. And so it's it's really just about is this a guy that we care about starting a clock on right now in this time frame or or not? So I'm guessing that they don't mind if they're if they're gonna if they're gonna have him on the taxi squad. You might as well bring him in for a look. 
Yeah. And like I said, it's not going to get worse. It absolutely will not get worse if you give Alejandro Kirk a little shot at trying to see if he can hit big league pitching. Now, I imagine it's a bigger conversation when it comes to the comfortability of pitchers throwing to him and him learning how all of that goes. But I don't know. I'm not saying play him every day. I'm just saying give him a shot and see if you can't just catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle here at the end of the season as we try to make this playoff push. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll have a catcher who isn't expected to lay down a bunt uh, later in the game, move move the runners along, which both catchers seem to be quite capable of doing. I think Reese McGuire's done, had like three or four sack bunts that have been successful already this season. Which, to your point, is also adds another element to you know struggling for Reese McGuire because he doesn't play often. And then when he plays, he's dropping bunts in situations. Yeah. So he's not hitting really, ninth. Yeah. Well, he should hit ninth. I mean, my God. Well, his offensive numbers last year, you you wouldn't be necessarily expecting him to hit ninth. No, but like I'm saying, things are what they are. You can't uh, assume somebody is what they were. I mean, it was a very small sample last year as well. So the Blue Jays are going into Miami tonight. Yeah. Blue Jays are TBD. Um, sounds like it's going to be a bullpen day. Sounds like maybe, I don't know. What do you think? Merriweather? You think Merriweather? Merriweather, Yamaguchi kind of combo again. Maybe a, did Hatch pitch last night? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, probably that Merriweather, Yamaguchi. I'm excited to see Merriweather again, man. The bringer. Of K. <laughs> the bringer of K, man. He brings the strikeouts. Yeah, I like Merriweather too. I think uh, I think they've really they've got something there, and I think he fits perfectly into the TBD slot because they can just throw him for a couple innings, see how he gets his arms stretched out, then you bring in the gooch. And uh, that worked well last time. Yamagu- mm-hmm. Yamaguchi looked good last time. Yeah, Gucci looks great. Um, also, like... I was thinking about this last time when I was when I was doing the game diary for for the episode that we didn't do. Merryweather, bringer of rain. We get rid of the rain. We bring in the good, nice weather. There's something. Oh, yeah. There's something interesting there. Oh yeah, there totally is. It's like a turning of the tides. Yeah, man. You're wiping out all of the bad and the negativity and the rain and the grayness, and you're bringing in electric heat. Yes, the sun. Yes, that's right. Here comes the sun, baby. Um, yeah, so we're, so we're, so we're going to Miami. I, I, it's funny, like it feels like the world is kind of as it should be. We're kind of disappointed that we didn't sweep the Orioles again <laughs> instead of like beating ourselves for for the last. Well, not beating ourselves, but just like last season, we we'd be lucky. I feel like to split a season series with the Orioles, and now we're we're close to sweeping them for two series in a row yeah i think it's just when you watch the games you feel like that was a game that they should have won and not I, that one last night or yesterday yeah i do i i feel like that's a game that that they could have that they could have won the could have won but shouldn't have won the the runs that we got <laughs> were gotten on an error you know, it's like it's not even like we played very well. We played I just, poorly. I just mean when I'm watching the Baltimore pitching, it doesn't seem to me like it's something that should overpower you. Like Vladdy looked like shit yesterday. He took a multiple half swings 
struck out a couple times. Biggio struck out a couple times. You know, I, I'm sure trade deadline day is a is a odd day to be a player. Yes. Um, you know, whatever, whatever. But then they bring in that frisbee thrower. Baltimore brings in that frisbee thrower, and the Blue Jays just can't. Who Valdez? Yeah. Yeah. Looks like he's throwing knuckleballs. Yeah. <laughs> like it really does. He's got this crazy changeup that breaks from like the nipples to the knees. And they just couldn't hit it. And I imagine that it is a tough adjustment to make, but you know, it didn't look it didn't look that good. And the Guriel thing, we didn't really talk about that. What did you think when you saw that play uh with Guriel kind of stopping around third and then starting up again? I mean, he was getting waved the whole way, but he just sort of slowed down on his own accord and then it wasn't like he really slowed down. He just kind of hesitated, you know? And I think 98% of the time when the ball goes to where he hit it or, or where it was hit and you've watched that, you're at first base, that is not a play that you go home on, right? So his, like, his million times running around the bases, mind says, play it, don't get thrown out at the plate. You know, you're, you're the tie run. We're, we'll keep moving it along, but Santander <laughs> threw it to nobody, and so they had the chance that they had to go for. I, I, it's it doesn't seem like a whole, like anyone really made a huge mistake. They tried to capitalize, other than Santander and the Orioles, nearly throwing it away. Well, you if you see the video, Louis Rivera's uh, calling him home the entire way, so there was no reason for him to hesitate at all. Louis Rivera saw the play, waved him home. And it was Guriel who did that kind of hesitation, which the hesitation cost the run. So if he just looked at the third base coach and saw he's being waved, he just wheels it around. He certainly has a better shot to score than he had. I don't know. It, 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 I, I see that Louis Rivera waved him around. I don't know at what point he started waving, like coming around second to be going to third, whether or not Guriel sees that and is like, okay, wow, I'm, I'm going to third. You know, maybe that was even a surprise. But then to get to the point where you see that, oh, you're waving me around third, that is an odd thing. Something that has happened that I didn't see. So I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a slight hesitation. Maybe it, it, it cost them a game. But really, it's just, it's not like this grave error because they just didn't fully capitalize on the error that Baltimore made, you know? And so they really had no business scoring on that ball anyway. Yeah, that's true. When the ball was hit, though, I was thinking run all the way because it went all the way to the wall. And I was like, Guriel, you know, can run. But uh, it's just a, that's a tough way to lose. That's a tough way to lose the game. And maybe you're right. It's not a game that they should have won. But I feel like any game against Baltimore is a game that they can win because you're never going to be overmatched with pitching. And, uh, you know, outside of Alberto, Santander, and I now this Mountcastle kid, this place is home man, Mountcastle. That's such a funny name for the way that he looks and the way that he crushes dingers. Just so yeah. like an arrogant prince who just smacks bombs. He's going to be a dude we're dealing with for a long time. Yeah, I think so too. Um, anything else you want to say here, Jacob, before we send it off to the Blue Jays at Miami Marlins tonight? Let's, let's stay safe. Guys, you know, we, we, this is the kind of, this is the exact kind of thing that would keep us from going to the playoffs this season. A COVID outbreak 
You know, we, we're kind of like lost in the world right now. Like, oh my God, we're going to the playoffs. There's no good team below us. We, we can't fuck this up. COVID could. COVID could easily. And now they're going to, to a hot spot and they got to stay safe out there. I imagine when you go to Miami, normally it's such a fun city to go hang out in too. And oh my go God. And go to clubs and all that stuff. It's got to be so difficult for Especially them. Especially for just- these Latino guys, you know, it's, it's like, it's like going home. Yeah, but I do believe that they're going to be disciplined about it, and I think that Clevenger and Plesac kind of paved the way for players to maybe not do something like that when they saw the repercussions. So thank you, Mike Clevenger. I think we can keep it together. COVID-free, sweep at Miami, and here we go. We will see you guys all tomorrow.